Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. The Season with Peter Schrager is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Season with Peter Schrager. We are recording this on Halloween, Tuesday morning. It is trade deadline day as well, so uh, we're not going to get too much into potential transactions or transactions that might happen because by the time you listen to this, it's going to be already done. Uh, but if you listen to this podcast, you know, it's been an ongoing couple of weeks where I've been previewing and giving out a little bit of information about my celebrity jeopardy appearance. Now that it aired last Wednesday, the cat is out of the bag and I promise not to mention it every week for the rest of my life. However, uh, my two beautiful producers slash executives on this podcast are both on with me now. Aaron Wong Kaufman, the greatest producer in the game, and Jason English, who is in that studio every single week with us, is from the iHeart team. I wanted to open up the phones and open up the lines and allow you guys to more or less ask me anything you might have as questions, but also serve as a press conference of sorts. I will start with this, though. For the listener who has not watched the episode, it was myself, Mira Servino, and Adam Rodriguez, who is an actor. We went down to the final Jeopardy question. Servino had a small edge on me. I bet just about everything, and uh, Servino bet everything, and we both got it right, and she won. Uh, I will give you some behind the music, though, now, as I think it does... Um, pertain to some of your questions, and we'll get into all of it. If you watched, you might want to rewatch it so we can get to the nitty gritty, depending on Aaron and Jason's questions. But here is the backstory of Final Jeopardy. If you watched, so we go into the last couple questions, and Servino got like a one thousand or a fifteen hundred dollar question and like a five hundred dollar question. So it's a big point swing of like two thousand dollars, and she had, I want to say, like a thousand dollar lead on me going into it. It was, you know, it might've been like 9,000 to 8,000, whatever it is. No, she had 12,000. So it was 12,000 to like 11, 
hundred. So she was up by like a thousand on me. And I'm like, give me something. Cause I was rolling. I was in the zone here. I'm like, give me a topic that I know I can bet it all for and I can get it right. The topic comes up and it's tween lit. My heart sinks. Here's the process of how it works in real life. Just as you see on TV, you get that final topic. They give you 30 seconds to write in your wager. So she's up a thousand on me. I'm like, tween lit. I'm like, like they couldn't give me Arizona Cardinals wide receivers. They couldn't give me like 1980s Van Damme movies. I would have been money with anything. Anything U.S. history, I would be good. Tween lit, as much as I'm a pop culture guy, it is a blind spot. And as I look over, and I would like the Jeopardy producers to hear this, Mira Servino has multiple teenage children sitting in the first row of the crowd, and she looks over to them, and I get like a thumbs up from them. They're encouraging her. I'm like, oh, so like any tween lit of the last 10 years, she knows. So my brain starts scrambling and I'm not intimidated, but I'm also like, who wrote the Twilight books? I'm like, damn it. I, who wrote the Twilight books? I'm like, I, uh, Abrams. I knew it. I was like, it's like Abrams. Then I'm like, who wrote the Hunger Games? I didn't read any of these books. I've never read any of these books. I'm like, Hunger Games, Collins, Suzanne Collins. This is just walking by a Hudson News every week for five years, going to, to different NFL games, going to LA, being delayed, walking through Hudson News. Then I'm like, all right, what the? It's Edward and Richard, or Edward and and Charlie. Who are the two vampires? Okay, it's Edward. It's Edward and Jacob, and it's Stephanie Myers. So okay. it's not so, an Abrams. It's a good thing it wasn't Twilight. Stephanie Abrams is like the Georgia political, right? Like in the Democratic Party. Shows you how smart I am. I'm glad I didn't get local election politics either. Thanks for correcting me. I would have gotten that one all wrong. So Stephanie Abrams, we see you. Is that her name? Stephanie Abrams, the one down in Georgia? Can we look that up or is that wrong? Stacy. Stacy Abrams. Stacy Abrams. <laughs> um, okay. What was the guy? Uh, who, Stephanie Abrams is uh, a news anchor? A meteorologist on the Weather Channel. There you go. Yeah. So shout out to Stephanie. Um, <laughs> that's great. Just like I, everyone asked me, who'd you go up against at Celebrity Jeopardy? And I said, Mila Kunis for the first two weeks. <laughs> and it was actually Mira Servino. <laughs> Not great with names. Not great. I'm like, Mila Kunis. They're like, really? Mila Kunis. Um, it was Mira Servino. Anyway, Servino's got these kids. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. you know. So I just said, I'll bet just about everything. I think I bet 7,200. I had 1,100. 11, and I see her smiling. And I'm like, she knows this. So we get to it. The question is, and I don't know if the word for word, but basically it was like this tween literature author uh, later said she regretted not calling her famous book just Margaret as opposed to the long title. And I'm like, are you there, God, Margaret? That's probably wrong, but I'm like, that's Judy Bloom. I know Judy Bloom. I know Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing. I know Super Fudge. I'm like, hell yeah. I go, $7,200. I'm already in pot committed. Who is Judy Bloom? I have enough time where I could write, you know, hello, Mel and Betty, my kids. I've always wanted to do that. I, I, was, on, I was on cloud nine here. But then I look over and like Servino slash Kunis slash whoever had already written her answer. And it's just like staring off into oblivion. I'm like, <laughs> so then they come to me and it's like, all right, Peter, did you have, you know, the correct answer? I'm like, who is Judy Bloom? Hello, Mel and Betty. And he's like, that is correct. Jennings, by the way. 
a mensch. Love this guy. He's like, that is correct. Uh, Peter, how much did you wager? 7,200. And you want to say hello to Mel and Betty. And I said, good night, guys. Good night, Mel and Betty, my two kids. And like, that was cool. Great. Got that in. Now I'm like, a competitor in me, as much as I want everyone's charity to do well, and I want to, I want Servino to fall on her face. I want her to come out here and be like, uh, you know, I, who's another t- teen literature person? Uh, J.K. Rowling. I wanted to see something. I wanted her to get something. Um, she comes out and she's like, who is Judy Bloom?" And she is right. And she bet it all. So she was nervous about me, which I liked. Um, she bet 12,200. So I can go to sleep at night knowing I played a great game. I also can go to sleep knowing that even if I wagered all of mine, 11,000, she still would have won because she bet all of hers. In closing, Michael Davies, the executive producer who also works at Sony and has a million other shows, Watch What's Happening Live and Good Morning Football, all these things. He has put in this thing for Jeopardy now where you can go online and look up the stats. How many times you've buzzed right? How many times you got? Here was the backbreaker for me. If you noticed, and we'll get through it. The first first category, I didn't even get a buzzer in. I was in a $2,000 hole from Go where both Servino and Rodriguez had the buzzer down. The buzzer was screwing me up. I finally got the rhythm down. But I buzzed in on... I got 19 questions right. Aaron, Jason, I only got three questions wrong. My entire Jeopardy experience. 19 right, three wrong. Two of them happened to be daily doubles. So I got burned on those where I got them wrong. And we can go through them, the correct answers. I don't know if you asked me 20 times if I would have gotten either one of them. I have no regrets on those. But the one that really screwed me. There was some question about fungus. It's at the end. And it says something with the internet and a web. And these guys both answer. And it was $1,500. And they both answer wrong. And if I had just stayed quiet and not guessed anything, I would have had a nice $3,000 swing. I probably would have won into Final Jeopardy with the most points. I probably would have won the entire thing because I got Final Jeopardy right. But there was this like... Like, I'm feeling it. I was hot. I felt like Michael Jordan against Utah. Like, I'm like, I can't miss right now. And this is like Cliff Robinson and the Blazers. And I'm just shrugging to the crowd because I'm so hot. I buzz in and I'm like, what is the dark web? And I everyone, think that's a great answer. Great everyone, answer. Every, it was about fungus and a web. And everyone in the crowd like gasped because, you know, on the dark web, it's like porn and like <laughs> child, like disgusting things. And I don't even know what the dark web is, but I'm like the dark web. And he's like, sorry, that's incorrect. The answer was wood wide web, which I don't know what that even is. I mean, this is Celebrity Jeopardy. We're dumb. Like, what are you doing with wood wide web? I got it wrong. It cost me $1,500. I was in a funk after that. And I'll be honest, if I didn't buzz in, I probably would have won Celebrity Jeopardy. I have no regrets. I did it. Uh, So I got 19 right, three wrong. Sorvino got like, 26 right and like seven wrong. So she was quicker on the buzzer. So if I had like 22 that I even got a chance to answer, she had 33. She was quicker on the buzzer on like 11 of them. So I will take my hat and I will I will do hats off to Mira Servino. She kicked my ass in jeopardy at the last second and she did so by being better on the buzzer. 
Um, she was a worthy opponent. I am proud of her. We have not said a word to each other since. And watching it back, she had kind of a snide comment after I guessed who is Debbie Gibson. Like she was surprised that I would know Debbie Gibson. Mira, please. While you were starring in Oscar winning films, I was in my shag carpet den of a computer room down in Freehold, New Jersey, listening to not only Debbie Gibson, but to Tiffany, um, to Sheena Easton, to Belinda Carlisle, to the Bengals. I, I go deep on pop, pop music. Um, that was my experience. We can ask all the questions we got about five minutes until our guest comes on. So I'll start with you on a press conference. I will call on you guys. Ask me anything. Uh, we'll start. We're going to start with you, Aaron. What is your first question about the Jeopardy experience? Uh, so Mr. Schrager, yep. when, when the categories are shown and, and they're revealed, which was the one that a gave you the most anxiety and the one that B you were like, I got this. Okay. Most anxiety was Nobel Prizes. Didn't know if we're talking about the Peace Prize. Didn't know if we're talking about like some scientist. And sure enough, one of the daily doubles was about the Nobel Prize for science or something. And it was like, this, this city, I guess... I, do you remember the question? Where, where this? What city is it? Are they awarded in? It, but it wasn't where they awarded in, wasn't it's, it? Like it's where's the newest prize yes. awarded in this Scandinavian? Yeah. I, yes. I wouldn't so, have gotten that one, Jason. I was so I'm like Scandinavian, so I'm thinking Helsinki. I'm thinking, um, like I got what's Norway, and I didn't have it in my head, and I'm like, is Denmark? And I was like. I'm going to go Denmark. I'm going to say Copenhagen, which sounds like an elegant city, great city. And I had just been watching The Bear and that restaurant. What's the restaurant? Like Noma, is that what it's called? It's like the fanciest restaurant in the world. And I think it's in either Copenhagen or Amsterdam. I was like, what is Copenhagen? Feeling like it was chance. The answer was, what is Oslo? And I'm kicking myself. I'm like, of all the daily doubles, why do I get one in Nobel Prizes? So that's a great question. Uh, the one I felt most confident in was the E-I-E-I-O. You did so well in that, yeah. And I cleaned up, bro. And it was basically pop stars who have those letters or pop bands. Songs, yeah. Songs. And I got uh, One Direction. Genie in a Bottle first. Genie in a Bottle from Christina Aguilera, One Direction, and Debbie Gibson kicking myself afterwards. They said, which Madonna's greatest hits is E-I-E-I-O? And I'm thinking about Madonna's greatest hits. And I, honestly, I'm thinking of the the movie, um, what was it, Truth or Dare? And I'm thinking, is it called Truth or Dare? It doesn't make sense. I'm like, it was around the same time. And of course, it's the Immaculate Collection, which I had that two album CD in my bedroom and I'm, I'm kicking myself, but no regrets. That Jason. was a hard one because they didn't give you a ton of letters in, <laughs> in that one either. No, it was just like blank. All right, Jason, what do you got? All right. So I don't often request to come on the podcast here, mm -hmm. but I felt... This is important. My favorite thing about this show is when you go deep with coaches, GMs about their origin, how they started making copies, cut, breaking down film. I feel like you have a similar Jeopardy story where you you were a, a viewer and then you were playing on the the, the Commodore 64. 64, sure. And then you were, you, you got to read a clue. Was that last year? That was last year. I got to read a clue. It was like this NFL quarterback went from the 49ers to the chiefs and then beat the 49ers the first time they played. Who is Joe Montana? All right, go on. So that for most people that, that would have been a, a, enough it. jeopardy that that's uh, the pinnacle, but, but this season celebrity jeopardy, 
the advanced analytics, I think, are going to back up your your claim. Your your strong candidate, second place finish, acquitted yourself well, solid I, showing. I don't. I'm, I'm getting to a question. I'm getting to a question. I love your I love your question. You're like me uh, on these podcasts. <laughs> I don't want to end there. I think that we've got a lot of influential sports media and, and media people who listen to this show. Michael Davies, your your friend. He doesn't listen to this, but go on. Yeah. We can forward him the forward him this, <laughs> clip this part. Sports Jeopardy. Why isn't there sports Jeopardy? And why aren't you the host? This should be on six hundred markets across the world. Jason, it's a great question. I'll go even more specific. The NFL the most powerful brand in the business, Jeopardy, the most powerful game show. I think we could just do NFL Jeopardy and it would be a huge hit. Throw it on the NFL network instead of re-airing a preseason game from 2014 or showing some crappy, you know, re-air of a, of a game that we haven't. Throw on just episode after episode. We could bank hundreds of these and it would do really well. I think... People from the NFL network and the NFL media, you know, conglomerate that that employs us, listen to this. I'm not trying to say it's the biggest no-brainer in the world, but it wouldn't cost much. I would do it with such joy. We could bank 400. Now, here's my question to you, though, because I'll spin it on you. I think it's a no-brainer. Do you have current NFL personalities as the guests or... Do you have the most hardcore football fans as Jeopardy contestants? Or do you like have like Sean McVay versus Kyle Shanahan versus Nick Sirianni? Uh, Jason, your thoughts? I think I'd want some some personalities in there. So you're the host. Are we bringing on players? Yeah, when you, when you're building this show. Yeah, no, no, no. I just said coaches. Like we have coaches and GMs and you have owners and you have some players, but like then you got to really sort of, you know, narrow it down to the current day. But I was thinking like, uh, you know, let's have an owner's edition. Let's have NFC West coaches. Pete Carroll goes up against Sean McVay, who goes up against Kyle Shanahan. Do you want to go that specific? Because there's a way to do that. Or is it just the smartest celebrity fans, the guys and gals who live and breathe this thing? And you can go real deep and be like, who wore number 25 for the Denver Broncos in the late 70s? And it's like, boom, who is, you know, Haven Moses? You know, like, do you want that? Yeah, I think I think I want that. I think it would be too difficult to Me too. get the coaches, get the you know, get your buddies who you know know football. Like you, you can't just always be like we when you guys do that Good Morning Football game where you just show pictures of old quarterbacks. Like that could be the hundred dollar round, yes. and, and then and move on and get that the elite level. Who, who are you inviting on in this first first season? Sweeps week. Who, who we got? Aaron Rodgers is a guest. Tom Brady's a guest, and Peyton Manning's a guest. That's your first episode. The three, uh, yeah. the three Excellent. intellectual quarterbacks, the three you know smartest Jeopardy guys. I would have all those guys on. Then I would go sports media style. I would have Collinsworth versus Aikman versus oh who i don't need herb street he i think nfl like voices um who uh, romo i would go romo mm-hmm. versus collinsworth versus aikman and have greg olson you know maybe if one of those guys is not available or whatever it is we slide greg in like that's how i would look at it and then you could have eisen versus Tarico versus uh you know james brown i don't know there's a million ways to go about this thing and i 
I think it's a great idea. Again, the IP is there, the NFL is there, and I don't want to give any more away because someone listening is going to probably take it and Rich Eisen will end up posting it instead of me. All right, I got one more for you. One final quick one. Of all the 19 questions you got right, which Mm -hmm. is the one you're most proud of? Great, great question. I took a few guesses that were right. One of them was the two bridges connecting, or the bridge that connected two peninsulas. It was like the upper and lower peninsula of this state, and it was, what is Michigan? And that was a complete shot in the dark. Another one was a fungus question. It was early on. It was like, this fungus, and I was just like, I don't know any fungus, but it's a $200 question. What is mushroom? And they're like, that's correct. And I pretended like I knew what it was. I didn't know what it was. And then I took a wild guess on the the veal one. And it was like, this type of veal is named after a famous musician who did it my way. And I'm like, oh, that's Sinatra. So I didn't know. And I originally said, what is? Then I changed it to who is. Um, I, was in, I was in the zone. I had an amazing experience. And like I said, the producers were great. Everyone was great. And it's over. And... Um, you know, my son got to watch it. He was proud of me. My wife got to watch it. I think she was into me for the first time in like a year. So it was cool. <laughs> I got text from, I got texts from so many people that I have not heard from in years, but also people that I didn't even think would be Jeopardy watchers who didn't know I was going to be on the show. Um, it really meant a lot. And if you do know me and you didn't text me, I also remember that as well. Cause that's just how I live my life. You know what I mean, Aaron? <laughs> It just, you know, no, no beef held there. Right. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, we've got a great guest, as you see in the title here in a second, we're going to get to him, but real quick, I, it's Halloween today and I dressed as Al Davis on the show and I like watched 45 minutes of Al Davis interviews just to like get down the affect and the Brooklyn yet also get the walk right. And it felt great. You'll appreciate this. They, they, blow dry. They did the blow dry of the hair, but then they slicked it back. It was like a concrete like slab on my head. I had the white on white satin with the, with the amazing white pants. I had chains. I had pinky rings. I had the whole thing. Um, so we get done with the show. I take it off and I'm like, all right, time to go back to Brooklyn. I, you know, take the subway back. I get back, uh, off the subway looking and I realized I never removed the rings or the necklaces. So I'm sitting there with this crazy hair, regular clothes, and pinky rings, and a necklace that was like a big gaudy silver necklace. I almost got myself pickpocketed. Like, I don't know what I was thinking. I was on the subway. I, I, but yes, that was my experience. And then later today, I'll be trick-or-treating. And I got to be honest, I kind of want to get back in that Al Davis gear. I kind of liked embodying Al Davis. It felt kind of good. Aaron, are you trick-or-treating? Do you do this as a man with uh, no children at the moment? Do you still engage? Um, yes, yeah, so we we did two parties this weekend and just like uh, yeah very active weekend for me and also just like last year i remember you asked me what yeah i was doing for you, halloween you went as like I, beethoven symphony or something no, you went like a, something i weird. went to the dog halloween costume contest yes. in fort green how was and it i i did it again this year and it was incredible i love that um uh i was I think I was telling Shana afterwards, I have never felt more str- I was like, it was like rooting for a sports team. Yeah. There was one dog in particular I wanted to win and they did win. What did um, said dog go as? <laughs> David Byrne in the oversized suit. Yeah. It's not making sense. I absolutely <laughs> it love was, it. It's so it was good. so good. Um, uh, yeah. And like, I truly have never loved a costume like that. And then I went as uh, Carmi from the bear. Yes, dude. Great. Why Carmi? Why not? Why not? Cuts? Still have my uh, temporary tattoo on. Nice. Why not Richie? Too deep cut. You like Carmi. 
I had the equipment for Carmi a little okay. bit easier, I think. Okay. So, All right. I yeah. would have, I would have gone. What was his name? Fack. I would have gone. What was his name? Matty Matheson. What was his character? He was great. I loved him in the back. Uh, all right, one more thing. I I have this year I've been in devouring books on my flights to LA and back. I've read the Michael Lewis book uh about SBF. I've read the Isaacson one on Musk. I'm reading all the stuff that's out. I'm reading it. I have to make a recommendation. Everybody read the John Stamos memoir. It just came out. There's been a lot of press about some of the things he says about his marriage to Rebecca Romaine. Don't be sidetracked by that being what this is. This is a true Hollywood story. He goes from uh, a kid working the griddle at his dad's Greek diner in, I want to say, like Irvine, California, to being a soap opera star in the 80s on General Hospital, to then going to Full House, to then a movie career, to then ER, and all the way in between, he's got stories about hanging with Don Rickles and Frank Sinatra and his relationship with Saget and Dave Coulier and the Olsen twins. And then there's some really like honest and vulnerable stuff about marrying a woman who at the time was a model and then after he married her, went on to be the swimsuit model of the year, star in the X-Men movies, and have a giant, giant career while his career kind of took the took to the back burner. And I thought Stamos in this book is incredible. He's vulnerable and basically says she emasculated him and her career was such a force in his world that, you know, he couldn't live with it. And then he uh, he goes into what he discovered on her and how do you lift yourself back up? But like great stuff about him and his father's relationship, great stuff about him and Saget's relationship. I, I got to tell you, I didn't expect to be crying at the end of a John Stamos memoir, but that is my recommendation to all of you. Stamos's new memoir, I don't even have the name of it. Aaron, do you have the name out there? Because I'd like to pass it along. Yeah, his memoir is called If You Would Have Told Me. If You Would Have Told Me. It's fantastic. So everyone, I promise you, you will not be disappointed. My favorite book of all time is a memoir. It's Andre Agassi's Open. Um, I also think Matthew Perry's last year, very appropriate now, was incredibly mm -hmm. well-written and well-done and great stories and tragic in its own way. Uh, another celebrity memoir I've always suggested to people if you want to read a good one is The Kid Stays in the Picture about Robert Evans. And then another one that is not as well-known, uh, Rob Lowe had a really good one about a decade oh, ago. And his life is even crazier than, than anybody's with what he went through um, as far as celebrity and fame goes. So all that to get to another book author, uh, a guest who is on here to talk about a very cool project he's doing, but... I figure we'll do a little deeper dive with him. Um, an idol of mine, truly. Uh, Dan Patrick joins us next. Hey, Doug Gottlieb here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making the now perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck, like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines the raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. With the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower further than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma. Delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style, the new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. With new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. When you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. 
So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are bust. You can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? My first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my dance, <laughs> Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. He's a hero of mine. He's still at the top of his game. And uh, he's become a friend and a guy that I really, really do love. He's got a new book out also. It's called The Occasionally Accurate Annals of Football. It's with uh, a co-author, Joel H. Cohen. But the guest on the season with Peter Schrager this week, it is an honor. Mr. Dan Patrick, welcome to the show. Are you nervous? A little bit. Okay, don't be. You're used to being asked questions, or now you're doing the, uh, the asking. Yeah, uh, let's break the fourth wall here. Like when you, when your guys first asked me to come on as a guest to your show, it was almost like being asked to host Saturday Night Live or something. I was like, this is, I've been watching you, listening to you for much of my life and also throughout my career. And you'd always had everyone else, the Peter Kings and the, and the other sports, right? And I was like, oh, I got the call up to the big leagues. And I just never wanted to myself when I was on your show. I just wanted to always do a decent enough job where I can get asked back. And now I feel like Seinfeld at uh, the today sh- uh, Tonight Show with Johnny. Like I would get the call back and I've probably gone on like 11 <laughs> times. So uh, it's really crazy for me to be interviewing you right now. I didn't know that's the goal to not yourself, but uh, hopefully you achieved your goal. But no, I, I like enthusiasm. I like somebody who's different. You did your homework. The uh, Good Morning Football is a fun show. And you know, that's that's what you want. You want guests that get your show. Uh, they can play along, and you certainly have. And that's why, you know, we enjoy having you on. And Kyle uh, Brandt as well. Uh, you know, it's, it's just getting fun people on saying interesting things. I appreciate it. Uh, so I'm sure you think I just grew up watching SportsCenter, but I actually, it was before that. Like, I don't think people realize that CNN had a powerhouse of a sports department yeah. and program like i used to watch i think it was nick charles and one of the cellini brothers who was it vince or well, nick, there was, was vince it? but it was fred hickman and fred nick hickman and nick charles right and i would watch them every night on their cnn show and then on the sunday nights they would have an nba show at like 10 30 and it was <laughs> and it had stephen a smith on it before like stephen a smith was like this national guy but I, this is like 
mid nineties, early nineties. And you were the dude in the late eighties, early nineties on that network that I, I fell in love with you. Then does the CNN sports era of sports TV just get completely overlooked in an ESPN, like, you know, world that we're in right now? Yes. And I think that at the time when we had CNN sports, we were a better sports department than ESPN was because we had talent. Uh, we also had really good writers, journalists, because you had to at CNN. Not to say you didn't have it at ESPN, but I don't think that was a priority. I think entertainment was a priority there. And um, when we did our show, Nick and Fred were as good as any team who's done it. Awesome. Uh, what was the show called? Do you remember what it was called? It, just CNN Sports Tonight. CNN Sports Tonight. And yeah. I was always like, Sports Center or CNN Sports Tonight. And then CNN Sports Tonight, we never talk about it anymore. No. And there were a lot of, there's a lot of talent that came through there. And uh, Dan Hicks, Hannah Storm, Vince Cellini, Gary Miller, Dennis Dumler, uh, Nick and Fred. Uh, and those were the people that were there when I was there. And a lot of people behind the scenes went on to do uh, great things. The person who started it was Bill McPhail who was the first president of CBS sports huh. and back, you know, he put on the, you know, the greatest game ever played with the giants yeah. and the Colts. The Colts yeah. Yes. And uh, he was there for the first instant replay. And, you know, so he was a legendary figure. His brother was the American league president, yes. Lee McPhail. Sure. His dad, I think uh, owned the Yankee. I mean, it, it was great to talk to Bill and he ran the sports department. And I just remember I was there for five years and I didn't even have an agent. And, and what happened was I had lost out on a weekend job in Dayton, Ohio. <laughs> I, I thought I was going to get it. They gave it to Ken Kettering, who was a better looking guy. It's first time, it, like the reality hit of, oh, they, they may not hire the best guy, but they hired the best looking guy. And he was. He even thought I was going to get the job. So I'm devastated. I'm 27. I'm thinking I'm never going to get into TV. I was doing radio, morning drive radio. And I go to Atlanta, a former girlfriend was down there, and she said, you should come down here, CNN's hiring. I go, I couldn't get a job in Dayton, Ohio, and now yeah, I'm going to get a job at CNN? Ted Turner's not hiring me, yeah. So I go in, I bring an audition tape, an audition tape that didn't get me the job at Channel 2 in Dayton. And I thought, Same okay. One. So the last day I'm there, I don't even know the process, Peter, of how to get an interview. And I, have, I'm, I have no coaching, yeah. no nothing. And I walk in and I go to the front desk, just like anybody else who could walk in. I said, um, hey, is the person in charge of sports here? And they go, well, who are you looking for? I go, uh, I don't know. Who's, who's the head of sports? This is incredible. And, and they go, hold, hold on. Uh, yes, I have a gentleman out here and he wants somebody uh, in sports. And uh, I believe he has a resume tape. And then they go, she goes, uh, just leave the tape and somebody will get back to you. Yeah. I go, well, I'm going back home. And then she, she called back uh, to the sports department and oh, goes, who is this woman? That's, this is the life <laughs> changer. This is unbelievable. He's going, he's going back home. He wants to know if somebody can look at it. So they said back, she goes, um, where are you going? Are you driving back home? Like how far away? I said, I'm going back to Ohio. She calls back and says, he's going back to Ohio. <laughs> Bill McPhail happened to be from Columbus, Ohio. Come on. And he said, have him come back. Because I said, oh, I'm going back to Dayton, Ohio. I go back. I meet him. And he puts the tape in. And he watches three and a half minutes. Three and a half of five minutes. Yeah. And then he popped it out. And he goes, when can you start? 
understand. I'm about to cry. I love this story. I've never heard this. Have you told this story anywhere? This is incredible. I, I've mentioned it. Um, but I, 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 I got hired to do headline sports. Sure. I make an 18000 I I took a $10,000 pay cut to go to CNN. Yep. But I wanted to do sports. And I'm doing it, and I'm not even on camera. I'm doing headline sports. And I, but I loved it. You know, I'm editing all the highlights, voicing it, and then you, you know, get it over to headline news. Six months later, Keith Oberman leaves the New York bureau at CNN to take a job in Boston. And my boss says, have you ever been to New York? I said, oh, yeah. No, I, I'd never been to New York. <laughs> I'm from a small town in Ohio. I've never been to New York. And then they go, well, would you be interested in, you know, being the New York bureau reporter replacing Keith? And I said, yeah, I took the job. I, I went and I stayed in the downtown athletic club, which yeah, is where they the used Heisman. to. Sure. Yes. So I stayed there for three months. I was only supposed to stay for a month, but I was so nervous that I didn't, I didn't have enough money to get an apartment in New York. I, mm. And, and so I said, can I stay a couple extra months? And then I did at the DAC. And um, I, I remember that I finally got an apartment. I made $800 a month mm. and my apartment was 550. So I wasn't really killing it, but, <laughs> I, but I, was, I was covering New York, Boston, Philly, DC, any story that came up. So I'm covering Larry Bird against the Lakers in the NBA Gosh. Finals. I'm I'm covering Billy Martin with the Yankees. Yes. Uh, I'm there with the 86 World Series with Bill Buckner and the Mets. I got to cover so many great events just by being up there. And, you know, it really changed my life. And I met my wife at CNN. That's incredible. And, and I, 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 I don't encourage people to lie. But you don't always have to tell the truth. How about that? And, and I do think there's a message there, though, because you went to Dayton. Yeah. Uh, you know, I went to Emory, which is not exactly a hotbed for sports. Media. I think there's a impression amongst young people in our industry that you have to go to Syracuse or Northwestern or USC, and there's a path. There isn't a path. You have to be cunning. You've got to be flexible. You've got to be willing to, in my case, write for any blog that would have you. And in your case, move to any city. You have all these students now at the full cell. Like, what do you, what is your message to them as far as getting into the door? Well, what I wanted to do at Full Sail University, and they have the Dan Patrick School of Sportscasting, your degree is in sportscasting. Your, your bachelor's degree is sportscasting. We want you to understand, you know, how tough this is, what you need to know. We want to give you the answers before the test. But as I tell all these students, I can get you over the wall. Are you running when you get over? Are you walking? Are you crawling? Because this is a, it's the most competitive job field in America, in my opinion, because everybody thinks they can do it. Yep. Like they all sit there and go, I could do, I could talk sports. Okay, you can. What do you do after 15 minutes when you run out of things to say? But I tell my students, we're going to get you ready, but it's up to you. When you go in there, being professional, understanding ins and outs, you may not be on camera. There's nothing wrong with, you know, being behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And I brought Gus Ramsey with me, who worked with me at ESPN yep. for over 20 years. And we hire people who have been in the business. You get hands-on experience. There's, there is no faculty that is better and has more experience than mine. Because we have over 200. Factor in my experience then yeah. all, all the people I worked with at ESPN, assignment desk, reporters, producers, you're hearing it from the people who actually did it. 
And that's what I wanted them to understand. This is the business. If you're lucky, this can be your job. But there's a your full time your first job is being a student at Full Sail University because there's no frat parties. There's yeah. you know it's it's not socials. It's none of that. You're showing up. This is your first job, and you know it gives them that dose of reality of how tough this is going to be. And our job is to make it look easy. That's why, like, I wanted to do it when I saw Bob Costas. I go, man, that looks easy. It's not. It's those who can do it really well make it look easy and fun. You can never have a bad day at Sports Center. No one would let you have a bad day because how could you have a bad day? You're doing Sports Center. Right. Well, you can have a day. It's just you can't let anybody know because that was the dream job years ago. Absolutely. Um, so much so that there was an ESPN reality show called ESPN Dream Job. And guess who stood online? Did you really? With 200 people in front of the ESPN Sports <laughs> Zone in Atlanta in Buckhead. And guess who my, my first break was? I waited in that line and I was wearing a shirt that said, <laughs> that said I just want to meet Bill Clement. And it was the most random like ESPN person I could think of. <laughs> the hockey guy, Bill yeah. Clement. I get in there. I'd never done any broadcasting. They give me a quiz and I got the quiz all right. I got 10 out of 10. And then I got pulled aside by Howie Schwab and Al Jaffe. Yeah. And Howie Schwab was the researcher. And they said, uh, what do you want to do? I said, I, I, I'll do this show. Sure. But I, all I want to do is write for ESPN.com. I'm a huge Bill Simmons fan. I love Ralph Wiley. I love uh, the writing. I love reading the Hunter S. Thompson at the time was writing for yeah. ESPN.com. Like, I love it. I just want a chance to write. And then they led me to a different department who were the editors on the website. And it all happened because I wore a terrible t-shirt, <laughs> but stood out and waited in that line. And that was the job for me. Dream job. Um, for you, you go from CNN, then you get to ESPN. I have to under, under imagine you go to Bristol. It's not a huge bustling metropolis. It's a campus. I have to imagine there's a lot of ego, a lot of testosterone. What's the pecking order when Dan Patrick shows up to Bristol, Connecticut in the late 80s, early 90s? I got there late 80s, March of 89. Okay. And Chris Berman was, he was basically their Mount Rushmore. Yep. I mean, it was Chris and he probably deserved two heads up there on Mount Rushmore, Tom Meese and Bob Lee. Mm -hmm. And I got there and, and, and look, I thought what we did at CNN was better than what they did. So I didn't go in there intimidated from the standpoint of, I don't know if I'm on equal footing. Now people have to understand where Chris Berman was back then. <laughs> I mean, without Chris, you don't have ESPN. You just, and, and Bob and Tom, you just don't because they were doing it. We didn't, you know, they probably didn't know who's watching, how many people, like what place they had in somebody's life. But I got there. They made me observe for three months. You didn't get on air until three, three months, months of watching them. And wow. I would, and I, I kept saying, I, I, I can do this. I know Guys, what I'm doing. I've done it before. Yeah. And what happened was I would come in and Chris Berman would call me the Charlotte Observer. He'd go, uh, it's the Charlotte Observer. And all I did is I would sit there from like five in the afternoon until midnight watching them put together, you know, Sports Center. They had to, everybody wrote their own scripts. And in the right corner, so we had this wall of monitors. So every, all these games are up there. In the, in the bottom right corner was porn. So porn, 
porn was playing after management just, left. Just Spice Network, just yes. on, descrambled. <laughs> yeah. And I just remembered it was right there in the right corner. All these games are going on, and porn is in you know the right bottom right corner of it. And I go, I'm not at CNN anymore. <laughs> I don't think so. And and I was going to do my first show, and. I don't know who was going to anchor with me. I was going to say, me. who's anchoring with you? Chris Berman had just done the 11 o'clock. Yep. He stayed and said, eh, I'm doing your first show. Hell yes. And I was so honored by that. because That's so cool. He stayed. And uh, I just remember he was so loud when we got on the air. <laughs> and I, I even said that. I go, man, you're loud. And, and he goes, you can always go back to CNN. And I was like, all right, let's go. I'm all in with this. But the fact that Chris stayed, and I, I never forgot that. I thought it was a wonderful gesture. And then soon after that, I started doing the 11 o'clock with Bob Lee and uh, stayed doing the 11 for 15 years and then decided that I wanted better hours to be a better father and husband and uh, did the six o'clock sports center the last three years. A quick anecdote, and tell me if this is this lines up with what you. He was larger than life at ESPN, and yep. he's still larger than life. We're at the Super Bowl two years ago in LA, and Kyle Brandt and I are like at SoFi Stadium on like the outside campus, like outside the stadium. Everyone's going into the stadium. We're on the outside, and a golf cart pulls by and this guy's wearing a, I mean, and again, my, my, my memory might make it even like, it's like a tall tale, like it's Paul Bunyan or something, but a giant straw hat <laughs> in a golf cart. And I just had to, I'm like, Chris Berman. And without even hesitation, he tips the cap and just, oh, yeah. bow, and just bows at us. Yeah. And, I'm like, that's yeah. it. Yep, that's and then him. I've been in airports with him. You could have Leo DiCaprio. You could have <laughs> uh, you could have Margot Robbie. The mm. line of people who line up to say hello to Chris Berman is unlike anything I've ever seen. And he's larger than life. He's probably the first guy who connected with people so personally because it was every night. And and think about when you watch TV at night. Are you in somebody's bedroom, their living room? I mean, there's there's a a, a shared intimacy to that, that he's kind of in my room with me. He's taught, you know, people would say they felt like they knew me because I was always in their house. They could hear my voice. And that's the power of ESPN. But Chris is the first guy nationally who was able, I think, to connect with people every single night. And, you know, that made him endearing to so many people. Uh, so then eventually you and Olbermann link up. And I will tell you, uh, we called it the big show. And it felt like rock and roll, honestly, that th these two guys were, you know, the ones in the back of the class, while everyone's in a suit and tie, it was the two of you guys making little underhanded comments, you had inside jokes, you had jokes with the viewers, and you guys just hit it off in such a way that at that time in my life, I, I, I'll just, you know, everything's personal with me because I'm an egomaniac, so I bring it back to me. Um, it was Saturday Night Live, and it was the era of Sandler and Myers and Farley and Spade and those guys. And then it was you guys on Sunday nights. And it was like Saturday night and Sunday night. Those were my dudes. Nice. Did it feel that way no. when you were doing it? Did you realize the impact you were making on an entire generation? We Later we did, but... You have to understand, management did not encourage us. They, they didn't want us to call it the big show. They, they were worried 
And, you know, a former boss of mine said, we don't want another Berman. We don't want somebody who we can't control. Larger than the brand. Yes. And they were worried about that. And I understand that. But Keith and I, we just sort of said, okay, we have to do this in a clandestine way. That's why we had inside jokes. That's why it was sneaky. It was never overt. And I think it made for a better show. It's like, you know, when I used to listen to Howard Stern, when you couldn't say certain words or you couldn't show 100%. something, it made it even more impactful. It's like, oh, my God, now I can visualize that. We weren't allowed to be in front of the product. It, it was you had to be sort of pick your spots, have fun with it. But Keith was such a wonderful team player uh, that, that he wanted to make a great show every single night, every single night. And... I, we never took it for granted. You never mailed anything in. It was every night. And, and you wanted to entertain each other. That We never knew what you were going to write. I never looked at his scripts. He never looked at mine. Probably 60 to 70% of the show was ad lib. Yep. And we only had you know three camera people and a floor director, and you were trying to entertain them. And we thought if we made them laugh, then maybe the people who were watching. But we never really knew the impact. Uh, until a little bit later on. And then Keith was only there for, I think, five years. Yeah. But it, it, was, it was magic. We never, ever, ever discussed why it works or let's change something. It, it never. Uh, we would type our scripts. Keith would usually type his in 45 minutes. It would take me three hours. And then we would get together. We, they didn't want to pay for a makeup artist. So <laughs> we had to put our own makeup on in the bathroom at 10.30 at night, and then we'd be on the air at 11, and uh, then we'd go our separate ways. But when we got to ESPN, we were doing a show. But that was really the in only interaction that we had. But I liked it because we didn't waste things. Yeah. You know, we, yeah well, we, that's Kyle Bray and I do the same thing. We don't ever reveal. I don't even know what he's doing as Halloween today. Like We don't ever reveal anything. Save yeah. it for the air. Save yes. it for the air. And, and I like the surprise element of it, but it was live. And there's something about doing live, but also we would do the highlights and the fact that we were on at 11 o'clock at night, let's say a game ended at 11 o'clock yeah. or 1107, they'd have to edit the highlights and then bring them in. We hadn't seen them. Sure. So you you're getting a, a shot sheet. Yeah. yeah they give me a shot sheet. They bring it in. I'd be, I can't tell you the number of times I'd be on camera. So I'd be reading the prompter here. And I go, and uh, Cleveland hosting Milwaukee. And Kenny Lofton is uh, having an incredible streak. You know, he's 19 uh, games in a row. I'm reaching out over here off camera <laughs> to get, and, and let's go, let's go to Cleveland, you know, municipal stadium. <laughs> Boom. And then I look down at the shot sheet and then we start the highlights. Yeah. And just the rush that you would have. Such a thrill. Of, it's live. And there'd be names on there, you like didn't know. spelling, penmanship, and you'd just go, you know what? And that's why we came up with catchphrases, because it allowed you to cheat a little bit. So if there was uh, Greg Maddox, to Mark, uh, you know, 3-1 to Mark McGuire, gone. And yeah. then I would pause, because then I could look on the shot sheet and go, McGuire's 32nd of the year, yep. you know, he's got 94 RBIs, and the Cardinals leap 5-3. So it, it allowed us to kind of gather and then you could look at the uh, shot sheet and, and it just kind of helped. And then after a while, we sort of mocked ourselves with, 
<laughs> Let's come up with catchphrases that are so stupid. <laughs> Give because, me some of them. I because, love these. Uh, it was cowhide joyride. And I remember, <laughs> okay. It was a home run. And I was like, that's a cowhide joyride. And I remember Keith going, cowhide. Like he even said it on the air. It's like, cowhide, what? <laughs> what? And, and I just, I got the biggest kick out of, we, we, we wanted to make each other think, laugh, you know, whatever emotion you could get out of somebody. If it was a serious story, you know, you wanted, yeah. you wanted that. Uh, but it, you know, it, it, it worked. And I remember when he left, I said, you'll never have this again. He had gotten, I think he had gotten bored. I think yeah. he wanted a different lifestyle and he went to Fox and I just said, you'll never get this ever again. And, uh, you know, he realized that soon after. And I never got it back again. I, I had wonderful people to anchor with, but there was nothing like that with uh, anybody else. Just because, man, when you're on that wire and there's no net and you know you can trust that person, you know, it, you really build a bond. And, and we certainly had that. It's special. Uh, but then you guys crossed over into like, beyond just sports center here. I mean, the commercials, which you yeah. guys dub, this is sports center. But then I think a major moment for like back now, every rapper has athletes in their videos and every musician is dating an athlete. It wasn't necessarily the case when you guys were on that Hootie and the Blowfish video, that was major for everyone. Like that was major. Can you take us through the impetus and the genesis of that story? Well, I'll go back to the, this is sports center ad campaign because that started after Keith and I got, scolded for basically trying to secede from the union. Like, hey, what are you guys, you know, we were a hot air balloon that was tethered, but we were still drifting pretty high up. And I remember we got called in and management yelled at us. I mean, really yelled at us. And I remember they, did, they wanted us to stop calling it the big show. We wanted uh, every time you go to break, when you're teasing things, we want you to end with this is Sports Center. And I remember when we came out of the meeting and um, Keith famously said, I'm shell-shocked. I mean, I'm like, yeah. I can't lose this job. I got yeah, I need three kids, got kids at home. the whole thing, yeah. And so Keith goes, them. And I go, what? He goes, they're not going to fire us. We'll say this is Sports Center. I go, okay. So this is in the afternoon. We have to do a show that night. I mean, imagine <laughs> how we feel. We just got aired out by manager. I've had those talks. It's scary. <laughs> we get there. Uh, doing the show, we go to break after like 18 minutes, and then you know, coming up, and Keith goes, This is Sports Center, <laughs> and I go, All right, it's on, we're and going then, there. And, and then they created the ad campaign. So I go to my boss, John Walsh, I go, Why don't we promote Sports Center? He goes, We don't need to. I said, You promote all these other shows, you know, NFL Countdown. Yeah. And then he said, all right, we'll, we'll do an ad campaign. And it was called, this is sports center. We couldn't get any athletes to show up because you have to go to Bristol, Connecticut. Yep. They don't pay you. They gave you a, uh, like a donation <laughs> stipend of $2,000 for a charity. Yeah. And I called Grant Hill. I called a lot of people, but I called, called in the favors, Grant Hill and Jason Kidd. And I said, would you like to be in a commercial? Co-rookies of the year. Let's go. <laughs> I know. And, and uh, you know, it turned out they both were like, well, where do we have to go? And I go, Bristol, Connecticut. What do we get paid? I go, well, you don't get paid. And thank God they did it. 
Uh, so Grant played the piano in the lobby when I, I had a bad it. show. He's, you know, he, you got the jacket. Dun, you have the jacket dun, over, yeah, your over my shoulder. <laughs> I remember. And then, and then Jason Kidd, we went to a helipad, and he was getting out of a helicopter with his videotape of his game, and here were his, his highlights. And then he was telling us what highlights. Those were the first two, and then after that, everybody wanted their own Sports Center commercial. Um, and then I. I think because Hootie and the Blowfish, they had just broken with Hold My Hand. Yep. I actually ran into, we crossed paths at the Masters. Okay. I've known, I've known th those guys for, it's 29 years now. Wow. But they were too uh, afraid, nervous to say hello to me. And I didn't see them there, but they said, you know, we walk by you. And I think it was the 94 Masters. And they reached out and said, would we like to be in the video? And I don't know if Keith was aware of them or how aware but yeah. I was. And uh, I, I knew he was going to have Dan Marino and some other people. And, uh, and then we became friends. So I've been, my 40th birthday, I went to Europe with them for eight days, traveling around with them, London, Scotland, and Ireland doing Amazing. shows. First time they'd been over there as a band. Awesome. And then my 50th, they came to my house and performed. And then my 60th, I went with some friends, my brothers and Darius, and we went to Pebble Beach. If I'm around when I'm 70, I'm not sure what I'm going to ask them uh, to do, but they'll probably, you know, at least Darius is going to be involved in it because he's, he's been around for a long time. Good friend. So cool. Um, then you get the connection with the Sandler guys and you're in probably like a dozen Sandler movies. 20, I think 20 or 21 movies. It sounds, that sounds, you know, pretentious that I don't know how many movies, but it's, I think it's 20. I mean, and it's not just you. It's the Danettes. It's all the guys. Yes. Um, well, he's extremely loyal. As Oh, I can imagine. I mean, look at the guys in his movies. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. He goes, Danny, once you're in, you're in. And I, you know, it's like a, a mob family. Like you're in, you're in for life. What was, the, what was the first movie you did with him? I did Waterboy. Okay. And then uh, I told him I didn't want to play myself. Like, once again, how arrogant. Like, <laughs> right, I'll like, do it. I don't want to be myself. And he goes, all right. Sandler goes, you're Danny McPatrick. You're going to be a police officer and wear a mustache. And I'm in the longest yard. And yep. I'm a police officer wearing a mustache. And uh, we try to arrest Sandler at the beginning of the movie. I remember, uh, I remember in... I, all of I, what was the that's that's my boy that's my great. boy <laughs> i got to, that one samper <laughs> yeah he wanted me to be a sort of a jerry springer type guy <laughs> talk show host and um just go with it i'm on stage with dave matthews jennifer aniston nicole kidman i mean he's he's been very very generous i don't know if it's to the detriment of the you know finished product that's but great. he's been very very generous through the years and he wrote the foreword to this book he didn't even know what a forward was. <laughs> so I said, Sandman, can you write the forward uh, to this book? Danny, what's a forward? I said, you know, the beginning of the book, and you know, you kind of write whatever. And he goes, what am I writing about? I said, I, you can write about your love of the Jets. Yeah. All right. Can I write about how much I hate the Patriots? I said, yeah, yeah, go that sounds ahead. Sounds great. He goes, how long is it going to be? I go, just <laughs> go until you stop. And he goes, okay. Next day. He sends me his forward, the draft, and then he, he goes there. Hopefully that's what you need. And I said, awesome, Sandman. It'll be great. And then the next day he texts me. He said, Danny, got to take Tom Brady's stuff out. 
You know, I, I hated Tom Brady because he was with the Patriots, but I, I don't want to say I hate Tom Brady now, okay? And then I said, yeah, we'll take it out. Don't worry about yeah. it. So it's about his love of the Jets, growing up in New Hampshire, being yeah. a Jets fan. So good. Um, they say that his sets, like when you're filming, it is, he's so hospitable, he's so gracious, and it, it, it really is as fun as it looks. And a lot of times it's in some pretty cool locales. Do you have a good story about where you went from one of these movies? Well, I went to Hawaii. That was for Just Go With It, right? That was just, yeah, you know, Just Go With It. And, and it was a big part. I mean, I had a big part, and I'm on stage with Aniston and Kidman. And um, I remember the night I got, sh I, I, I shot part of my scene. Um, and then uh, Nick Schwartzen, the uh, yeah. comedian. Minnesota guy. Yeah, so Schwarty shows up. He's in the movie. But he goes, uh, uh, Danny, we're going drinking tonight. And I'm going to drink you under the table. And I said, I said, Nick, don't do that. <laughs> don't oh, and, and he's like, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, I, I said, I said, Schwarty, I, I'll crush you. Well, he didn't believe me. I walk into the bar. It's a Tommy Bahamas bar <laughs> in, in Hawaii. And I, he gets me a mind eraser yep, that is in a tall glass. And he goes, and I said, I said, what are we doing? He goes, we're we're downing these. I said, wait, we're 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 gonna down the whole. And he goes, yeah. And so I down a mind eraser, and then next thing I know, there was another one that came over, and then another one came over, and I go, I said, Schwarty, uh, you know what? I I owe it to Sandler to be ready to go tomorrow. And he goes, oh, are you being a? <laughs> you want to? And I go, all right. I said, here we go. Look, if you die, it, it, you ask for this. This is self inflicted. Yep. Well. We kept going. Next morning, nobody knows where Schwarty is. Mm. Afternoon, nobody can find Nick Schwartzen. <laughs> Later in the evening, nobody's heard from Nick Schwartzen. I'm getting ready to shoot my scene. Schwartzen comes in, looks horrible. <laughs> Disheveled mess. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't look good to begin with. <laughs> but he goes, hey, come here, come here, come here, come here. Uh, you can't tell Sandler. You can't tell. I said, <laughs> like, what? Like the principal or big brother or daddy he, or something. He got so messed up. He fell asleep in the uh, sand trap at the golf course across from the hotel. Incredible. Lost his keys, lost his <laughs> cell phone. And uh, no, he didn't lose his key. He lost his cell phone. So nobody could get in touch with him. But he comes in and, and he might have just gotten out of the sand trap. I just remember. I said, I said, Shorty. He goes, all right, you're right. I won't do it again. The next night we went out. He didn't have a drink. Yeah. And, you know, we yeah, went to, uh, to a sushi yeah. place. But Sandman will always say, look, just don't make, don't make the newspaper. Don't make the newspaper doing anything. And then we went out with Dave Matthews. Uh, first night I was there and I'd never met him. And yeah. he, he, wicked sense of humor, but he didn't know. He knew no sports. He doesn't know like South African, like cricket or <laughs> no, rugby or anything. I don't think he knew. No, no, I don't think he knew anything. <laughs> Not and, the Ernie Els guy. <laughs> <laughs> but he he goes, uh, yeah, I, I guess you're the sports guy. I go, yeah, I'm a, I'm the sports. Sandler would always introduce me as the sports guy to yeah. to Aniston. Hey, this is Danny's the sports guy. Uh, Kidman didn't care. She couldn't no, care less no, about no, me. No. But um, I, I'm sitting down at a large picnic table at a restaurant and I went to, I'm across from uh, Dave Matthews and I reach out to shake his hand. I knock my beer over yes. into his lap Perfect. and he goes, wow, that's uh, quite an introduction. <laughs> 
And uh, he was he was great. Yeah. He was so much fun. Like he would always walk up to me and he goes, "You're pretty tall. How tall are you?" <laughs> well, they in the movie there's a, a scene where he says something about he that guy up there on stage is pretty tall. <laughs> it's stuck in the movie. <laughs> yeah, it was just Sandler left it in there. Uh, Aniston was wonderful, spectacular, uh, funny, gorgeous. Nicole Kidman had just had a baby and mm. she was in incredible shape, but she was an actress. Yeah, I know. That's a thespian. Like I couldn't, I couldn't yeah. go over there. She's in and, her and character she, role. Yeah. So I, I was trying to prevent them from figuring out too soon that I didn't know how to act. That was my goal. And it didn't take long before Kidman's, you know, sizing me up and realizing this guy is not an actor. Yeah. Aniston may have been a little more generous, but I thought, God, if I ever get alone with Kidman, I, I'm not going to have anything to say. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking I'm not going to be, you know, off the set, you know, talking to her. I'm in the green room of sorts for actors who are ready to do their scene or waiting to do their scene. I walk in and Sandler's bulldog is in there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some sporting event is on. So I sit, got Sandler's bulldog with me and Nicole Kidman walks in. <laughs> Well, it's one of those where you walk in a room and you hope somebody doesn't see you and then they walk back out. But she walked in and then we made eye contact. So she had to stay. So she comes over and sits down. Nothing's being said. <laughs> Just silence. It's, 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 it's excruciatingly quiet. And I just... And my daughter said, hey, if you ever want to bring up something, an icebreaker for Nicole Kidman, I've got one. You know, I'm born on the same day as her daughter. And I'm thinking, okay, Sweet. if I ever need it, it's in my back pocket. Well, first thing I say to her is, uh, hey, um, you know, I, 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 my daughter is born on the same day as, as uh, your daughter. And she goes, oh, that's wonderful. That, that's it. That's it. We, we, had, we had nothing. We had nothing. Well, a couple of days later, <laughs> Keith Urban, her husband, comes yeah. to the set. He sees me. He wants to talk about the Dan Titans. Patrick, he, let's uh, talk. Yeah, yeah. And, and her look on her face is like, you know this guy? Yep. And all he wanted to do was talk about Tennessee Titans. But Sandman does have, you know, it, it, it's usually good locations and fun people. Uh, and, and it's, you get things done, but it's, you know, you're having fun along the way. That's really important. We only have a few more minutes with you. I want to ask you a couple couple other quick ones here because the Sandler connection is one thing, but you've also been on The Simpsons before, and I think that's a good segue to the book. How does this book come together and your experience with The Simpsons? What's the connection? Well, Joel Cohen, who co-wrote this with me, is one of the head writers on The Simpsons. And he reached out to me and said, hey, we have uh, an episode where we need an announcer, and uh, it's Homer's involved in a rock skipping contest and rock we thought, skipping yeah and so i said oh i'd be honored i'd love it and uh he said i'll you know i'll, I'll set up the script and we'll uh we'll, we'll do a, some kind of uh moment here where we uh we record it i go okay and he goes you know while i have you how do we fix the jets and i go well how much time do you have and he goes no i think i can fix the jets and then he he brought up the butt fumble why is it you know, all the blame goes to Mark Sanchez and not the offensive lineman who was blown up by Vince Wilfork. Yeah. So these were things that were bothering him. And then, you know, he would talk about the Patriot mascot, Pat the Patriot, like all of these things. 
he goes, I don't have an outlet like you do. And, and I go, and then I threw a couple of things back at him. And then it, it was, it, I, I liken it to, it was verbal tennis match where we're yep. just throwing things back together. And he said, I'm going to write these down. He goes, would you r- want to write a book? And I'm thinking, sure. Like, yeah. And then I didn't realize, but he said, he sent some stuff back and he goes, all right, this is what you said. This is what I said. And I think we got somebody who will publish this book. And I go, what? <laughs> what? Oh, why? What? I, I go, does America need this? He goes, well, football books are always serious. They're about men. They're about, you know, integrity. They're tradition. You know, they're, yeah, yeah. They're gladiators. And he said, let's just have fun. You know, like, let's talk about Ken Stabler smoking uh, bacon-wrapped cigarettes. Like, you know, <laughs> that's his diet. Let's, let's compare Tom Brady's diet to Ken Stabler. I, I said, all right. I said, I, I, and he goes, we don't have to be accurate. That's, you know, it's the occasionally accurate. So we're not burdened by truth. We don't, but we, we do represent every team. Uh, we look at the decades. We look at football, what it'll be like in 2073. And it was just, it was just fun. He's an extremely bright guy. And it just made the process so much more enjoyable. And then I do the audio version. So if you want a bedtime story, yeah. uh, I can read this to you. And uh, that was a fun pro- There were Like we, we have something on uh, Nipplegate yep. with uh, Justin Timberlake. And there are a few of them that I, and Andy Richter wrote a story, a part of the chapter, Conan's a sidekick. And, yeah, yeah, and sure. then Joel started telling his friends. So his friends go, Hey, I, I got it. I yeah. got a story. So, I mean, I was like, I can't turn this down. I'm going to write a book, but everybody else is going to write the book for me. And, uh, you know, we just sort of, there was nothing that was off limits. We just thought there would be something, if something was funnier then we took out something, but it, it was, uh, it's been rewarding. It's been enjoyable. And, uh, you know, Joel has become a friend uh, as a result. And it's in black and white, right? And it yeah. aesthetically looks really cool. Yes. Um, I love that. Uh, but we do well, like the Wizenator, Ontario Smith. Yeah, I remember Ontario Smith, Vikings running back. Couldn't yeah. get through that airport. That was uh, unfortunate. Uh, we, um, fix, we fix penalties. Uh, let's see. Things you don't bring to a tailgate. We made the Immaculate <laughs> Reception a sermon. Uh, we do talk about, uh, we have people who, uh, critique me in the media if I'm any good. And, and so there's trash talk. I mean, there's, there's, there's quite a few things in the book, but it's, it's meant to be tongue in cheek, but, uh, and hopefully people take it that way, but it, it was, and every team is represented and some of the best players who have played for these teams, we have fun at their expense. Uh, in closing, I got this podcast here as like a second or third gig and I love it. It's like my own name on it. It's the first thing I've had that it seems like everyone's got a podcast. Everyone thinks they can be Dan Patrick. (laughs) You've seen the explosion of podcasts and you know, the explosion of McAfee and you name it. Now there's, you go on your Twitter feed and it's a different young woman touting gambling tips and it's her own show. Like it's, it's everywhere. It's become an explosion of talent facing like, here's my takes on this and that. And there's an audience for it. Did you ever imagine it could explode like this and our industry would go down this direction? Well, yes and no, because if you could do a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week sports channel, 
and then another 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week sports channel, and then another, then, yes, that, that the explosion could be there because there's only so many radio outlets for people. Now you give them an opportunity to have their view of a certain sport or sports or whatever it might be. I just worry that, and it's going to sound like get off my lawn. No, let's go. Of, I'm, I'm trying the same boat. Journalism. Yeah. That's because everybody thinks where in the mid nineties got to have a catchphrase to be a sportscaster. Now you have to have a hot take to be mm-hmm. a, a sportscaster or podcaster. I just want to make sure that, because a lot of people will be loose with language. They'll say, you know, I'm hearing or, yeah. and, and I, and I'm hearing gets left out where Peter Schrager says, you could say, Hey, I'm hearing. And then all of a sudden it's no Peter Schrager says, that uh, the Raiders are moving on from Devontae Adams. Sure. They don't, they don't listen all the way, and therefore it becomes a story. And I always caution my students, have a source, and don't be afraid to have a second source. When mm. we were on ESPN, we had to have two sources. If you had a story, and as crazy as this is going to sound, I was on vacation with my wife, and sitting next to us was... Tony Dungy's agent. Uh-huh. And he said, Hey, did you hear that uh, Tony's going to get the Tampa Bay job? And I go, no. He said, no, I'm on vacation. And yeah. I, I thought, well, let me call into the assignment desk. Sure. I call into the assignment desk and they, it might've been Steve Perisman was the okay. guy maybe. <laughs> right. And I, I just remember he needed another source. You're like, no, 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 the agent just... But I couldn't tell him that I'm getting it from the agent because yes. the agent said, don't attach my name. And I'm going, I, I have an unbelievable source. And then he said, I need a second source. <sighs> they got a hold of Andrea Kramer mm-hmm. and Andrea was able to confirm it. And then Andrea, I think, broke the news. But I'm like, oh, I'm on vacation I don't even I don't, want this news. It's just I, in my lap. I'm, no, favor. I'm not an insider. I'm just telling out of you, this. hey, yeah. Tony's going to get the job with the Buccaneer. And I just remember it's like, holy <laughs> I don't want to work this hard at a story I won't get credit for. Yeah. I don't want credit for it. I want us helping to get out. credit for it. But, you know, I, I caution those who do it that don't, don't be afraid if you're going to say something that you have something to back it up. Because everybody can do the following. Oh, you know, a source told me. Well, I don't have to tell you my source, but you hope that people are still going through the process. And look, I I came up with CNN and this is the way you did it. And I'm going to go out that way. You can't be loose with, oh, I'm hearing. Well, I I feel fortunate enough that I spent 20 years having to do sources. And that by the time I say something on air, you're not questioning that process. A lot of times now I see people saying stuff on air online. Like, I don't know who this person is. I don't even know what this Twitter handle is. I don't know if to believe it or not. And the check marks are all askew. Yes. So I can't, so it's very complicated, especially, you know, when it talks to off season stuff and trades and rumors, cause then I'll hear from the GMs and coaches and be like, I read this from this Twitter feed. I'm like, I don't, I don't know who that is. I don't even know who the person is behind that. Yeah. Someone said it. Well, this is the era of anonymous reporters. Yeah, that's another thing where you're going, I, I, don't okay, know who that- I don't know who the reporter is, but they're <laughs> breaking this story on Tom Brady. And then you yes. have to follow that story. And then you have to figure out, is it true or not? And is this then, a real person? Yes. 
And if somebody it, has an opinion, we had Rick Neuheisel on, and I said, where is Jim Harbaugh in a year? And he said he'll be in the NFL. Well, that's just his opinion. Yes. It's not like he's reporting that. That's not Bruce Feldman saying that. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's Rick Neuheisel said he thinks Jim. But that's how it when When we think that people go, they'll obviously know that, hey, I'm saying this in jest or uh, I'm, I'm just telling you something that's my opinion. It becomes, you know, the truth. And then it's out there. And then all of a sudden people run with it and you're like, hold on. Like you can't bring it back. And I, I, you know, I, I hope that people who do this understand. You can have a hot take. Uh, I like to have an, a, an informed take. It may not be hot, but if it's warm, great. I hope it's accurate, more importantly. You're amazing. You're awesome. I feel like we could do a part two, and we haven't even talked about your interview prowess. And We can do a part two whenever you want to, Peter. We'll do it. Yes. Um, yeah. So appreciate your time. Guys, everyone who's listening, the and book. And Jamie, Jamie's uh, pregnant? Yeah, Jamie's prego. That's um, awesome. She told us that a couple of weeks ago. We're like, okay, that's amazing. And she's like, but I don't know how to reveal it to the audience. So today on, on Halloween, she dressed as Rihanna, Rihanna who yeah. of course performed the half time. And then she kind of dropped the bomb on the audience and is like, and yeah, just like Rihanna, I'm pregnant. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. She's awesome by the way. Yeah. Amazing teammate. Yeah, I, I never cool. met her. Uh, and I've talked to Kyle before and, uh, I, you know, his angry runs are, uh, epic. Yeah, I, I I worry that he's gonna, uh, yes, something's uh, going to happen. Like, he's not a something's going to burst. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> Dan Patrick, such a thrill. Um, thank you so much for joining the show, man. Peter, thank you, and uh, I'll be watching. Hey guys, it's Rich Davis from Cavino and Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure ready Rav Four. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance or any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew could stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you could sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter what your style, you could drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my day. Bro. <laughs> now is the time to accelerate innovation. 
T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Aaron, Dan Patrick, as good as advertised, maybe better. Was that not awesome? Yeah, I didn't, I don't think I've heard him speak so casually and openly about like a bunch of historical, not historical, but like the, the glory days of uh, SportsCenter. And like, that was, I loved it. Yeah, it's interesting. There was that giant ESPN book that James Andrew Miller wrote. And I maybe Patrick shared that in there, but like when he starts talking about the stuff with bosses and the bigger than the brand, that's all news to me. I, yeah. I'm, I'm, an, I'm a big fan. You know, like it's a thrill for me. Obviously I was geeking out. I felt like Chris Farley, like, what was it like? You know, he's talking to Paul McCartney. That was it. The book I'll get... I'll read. I'll probably listen to it. I like Dan's voice. I'll listen to it. But that was cool. And uh, this podcast was cool. And as we wrap up, we got to do our weekly sponsor. And this is with Uber Eats, our peeps. It's time for Delivering Results, presented by Uber Eats. And uh, this week's Delivering Results winner is Jameer Gibbs. I was like a proud papa watching Jameer after I hyped him all of August as a number one running back, as a fantasy guy, as the person you need to be following, as the guy that is going to make the Lions a contender. Out of nowhere, with Montgomery hurt, he gets the the Lions share that carries finally in Monday night's win over the Raiders. 189 yards from scrimmage, jumped into the crowd. Kyle Brandt, my uh, co-host on Good Morning Football, had a good one. He said, that's called the Ford pickup. You know, you got the Lambo Leap. That's the Ford pickup. <laughs> uh, delivering results. He's our winner this week. And that was Delivering Results presented by Uber Eats, where you can get almost, almost anything. The official on-demand delivery partner of the NFL. Order now. On behalf of Aaron Wong Kaufman, on behalf of the great Dan Patrick, on behalf of Jason English, who made uh, his second appearance on the microphones from iHeartRadio. He's a very, very, very vocal part of this podcast in the direction it goes, and all in good ways. Uh, as far as all the guys in LA, we meant to say it, Aaron, um, oddly enough, Shepard U did not hold up their end of the bargain. They lost. But Arizona, which is the secondary team where our uh, executives, Jason Kleinman and Matt Schneider, are proud alums, they did a major upset victory um, on, who'd they beat, Washington or was it Oregon State? They beat a massive, t- a number 11 team. So they did their job, but the Shepard guys and my man Ernie McCook you know, just didn't get the job done. So we got one out of two. This weekend, real quick, Aaron, I think I might go to USC, Washington. It's homecoming at USC. And Ooh. Kingsbury Kingsbury invited me to go as a guest of his. But if I'm being completely honest, I probably am not going to go. <laughs> 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 Seems like a lot of work. I gotta like, if I go to a college football game, I got to drink. And then I get to there and it's like, I'm always constantly checking my phone. Like, I want to go home. I've got to show in a 4 a.m. wake up. Maybe I'll tell Cliff I'm going to go. And I'll just lie to him and watch it on TV. How's that sound? No, you can't do that. He doesn't know. He's going to be busy. I don't even know what his job is with the USC. He's like involved with the offense, but he's not the offensive coordinator. He's not the head coach. Can you go for the first half? 
No, is that no. worse? I would only go for the pregame and just yeah. say hello to him, and then I would peace. But I do want to see Caleb Williams warm up and Penix yeah. too. All right, I'm wasting too much time. Thank you, everyone, for listening. It's Halloween. I'm gonna go trick or treat. Uh, enjoy yourselves. Please be safe, and we'll see you next week. The Season with Peter Schrager is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 